Welcome to episode 14 of the Draft Champions Podcast. I'm your host, Zach. You can find me at Zach Roto, and you can find our podcast at Draft Champagne on Twitter. We are here with Jason Martinez. Um, he is the creator of Roster Resource, which he founded in 2009, and he's recently linked up to, uh, with Fangraphs as early as last year, or as recent as last year. Um, well, there's several rep websites you can go to to look at MLB rosters or depth charts, but I think Roster Resource is the Royals Royce of that. Not just because of the great alliteration, because it's the best of the business in terms of exactly what it is, a roster resource. So welcome, Jason. Um, first of all, let, us, let everyone know where they can find you on Twitter and, um, let, um, and, and give yourself a brief introduction. Yep. And first of all, thank, thanks for having me on. I always enjoy coming and talking about what I do. Uh, you can find me at MLB Depth Charts on Twitter. The uh, the site was an, was originally launched in 2009 as MLB Depth Charts, known only baseball site. Uh, about five years later, I added football, basketball, hockey, and changed the name to Roster Resource. Uh, and then when I joined Fangraphs uh, last year, um, then uh, I didn't have to do basketball, football, hockey anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> and now it's just part. It's, it's just part of Fangraph, but all I do is baseball now, uh, which is which is cool to focus 100% of my time as opposed to like 90% of my time on baseball. So uh, everything is not everything. I, I said the main things are at Fangraphs now. Roster Resource has its own drop-down menu. If you go to the Roster Resource menu, you'll see uh, the Roster Resource depth chart, free agent tracker, off-season tracker, and then the payroll pages are in there as well. That's awesome. What you do with your work, your work is really uh, second to none and awesome. And before we get too much further, we have actually, um, I have another co-host that's joined the Draft Champions podcast. So before yeah, you hear somebody chime in that you don't know who's talking, we have uh, Craig McGee, who's a new co-host of uh, the podcast. Um, I think you can find him at on Twitter at C-M-A-G-E-E, I think 523. Is that right, Craig? That's correct. Okay, I remember. I luckily, luckily, I memorized that already. So, um, give it, give everyone an introduction on um, who you are, what you do, how you found us, and just why you love this so much. Yeah, I really appreciate it, and uh, appreciate the opportunity. I'm excited to come on and, and talk baseball. Uh, you know, I've been doing fantasy baseball for 20 plus years, and uh, you know, done pretty much every format. I've gotten into NFBC uh, quite a bit the last few years. Uh, I've already done two draft and holds did the first one back in uh, November. Uh, I was actually in the league where uh, bat flip crazy went and took uh, Garrett Cole one overall. Uh, and I was in another one with uh, Vlad Sedler. Um, I've done a, a, a main event qualifier as well. So I, I've definitely, uh, there's no off season anymore, <laughs> but um, yeah, just, you know, Bye, fantasy baseball. Yeah, I used to do uh, a lot of the the other leagues as well, hockey, basketball, uh, English Premier League, but uh, I have uh, now focused 100% on, on fantasy baseball, and it's, you know, it's my hobby, so I love it. So well, you thanks like, for having you me. Sound like, you sound like a smart man for focusing 100% on baseball. So we're, we're, we're really <laughs> happy to have Craig on the podcast, and you're going to be a great addition. You've actually helped um, so much with the website and, and hosting the podcast, so it's going to be really great. I'm really excited to – to be partnered up with you for a long time. So that's great. Um, moving on, but, um, we're going to get back to, to Jason. Um, and um, 
I think we're going to start this podcast with our um, 2020 vision segment. I know original, original title. So it's a bold prediction for um, the year 2020. Uh, so Craig, uh, let's, um, let's actually start with you. And I know that you have one ready. Um, I don't even know if Jason has one ready, but um, so I, since I know that you have one ready, why don't, why don't you go ahead and start with your bold prediction? Sure. Certainly, it's uh, it's been a topic that's been in the news quite a bit lately. Um, uh, really, it's regarding Houston Astros. Um, you know, when this news broke, uh, you know, it was back. I was doing my draft and hold, and the first one in November. I didn't think much of it. Uh, I ended up taking um, Bregman first round, uh, and then I came back. I think in the third and fourth round, and got Springer and Jordan Alvarez. And my thought process was, you know, these guys are going to have a chip on their shoulder. Uh, you know, they're kind of a gritty bunch anyway. But, uh, you know, obviously then the news broke. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not thinking too much in terms of the fact that, you know, all of a sudden nobody's going to be able to hit. But there's been, you know, a lot of theories floated out there. And I think there's enough uh, to say that I think the Houston Astros are going to have a down year this year. So my bold prediction is that not only are they not going to win the division, they're not going to make the playoffs, and I will go as far to say that they will come in third in the AL West. And here, here's kind of my rationale on that. Uh, Ian Kahn actually um, had a great uh, thing on his podcast, um, uh, Under the Radar, as uh, Nando DeFino likes to say. Uh, but he's talking about, um, you know, the fact that these guys aren't going to know what's coming. Uh, and, and what an unbelievable advantage of that. And obviously that's been reported on quite a bit. Uh, if, if you go into fan graphs and you look at the, um, the leaderboard numbers for swinging strike and K percentage, I mean, there's in the top 30, there's six Astros. And, you know, guys like um, uh, Josh Reddick are in the top 10. And, you know, since he's been on the Astros, I mean, his – uh, swinging strike and K percentage has dropped off from, you know, his early career numbers where they were much, much higher. To be fair, they really dropped off the year he before he came to the Astros, uh, you know, his last year with the A's. But, you know, the, so that's one thing. But, you know, then you start to look at the pitching depth there. So, uh, how, you know, you've got your two frontliners, uh, Granke and Verlander, uh, you know, everybody thinks of Verlander as this horse, which certainly has been. But, you know, in his last years at Detroit, he fell off. So he is not this bulletproof pitcher that you can just pencil in or, you know, at your kitchen table with a knife, so to speak, like uh, I forget who it is that used to say that. But, uh, you know, in Granky, he's been adapting. Obviously, he's a savvy pitcher and he can, uh, you know, he's adapted. He's not throwing a, you know, mid-60s curve and – uh, but, you know, after that, there's a lot of question marks. Um, you know, how many innings is uh, Lance McCullers going to throw? Uh, what are you going to get out of uh, Urquidy? And, you know, they've got some guys in the minors, but, you know, suddenly it's starting to look like a lot of yeah. holes. Uh, they've had a lot, yeah, Craig, a lot of injuries I, I, in that bullpen. I was thinking that as well. Uh, and then the last thing, I've never heard anybody say this, is, you know, so now there's all this doubt about whether or not they deserve to win. So, you know, you hear it time and time again that guys get hurt through, and they play through injuries. How likely are the Astros hitters to play through injuries if they all of a sudden are batting, you know, 220 for a month? 
uh, I would think they're probably more likely to go on the IL and not make it seem like they were aided and, you know, and hurt their legacy as hitters. And you've also got the fact that uh, pitchers might be throwing at them more, at least throwing inside more. So there's a lot to, uh, to add up there to, that could, uh, could be that they're in for a rough season. I like it. I like it, Craig. That's a good one. Um, so, Jason, have you, had, have you had time to think of a bold prediction? I had a few minutes to think about it. I'll, my my not-so-bold prediction, here you go, is, is uh, a lot of guys that you think you just expect are going to be really good this year, um, a few of them, at least a few of them, are going to be bad or they're just going to get hurt. And then a bunch of people that you've never heard of, you, nobody's talking about right now, um, they're going to be – they're going to be on every fantasy baseball podcast next offseason because they came out of nowhere. So it's it's pretty easy to pick out just some, ra- you know, not a random guy, but there's guys on every team that you can just say, hey, this guy's going to have a great season or, you know, or this this guy who has been good for the last four or five years, he's not going to be very good. Uh, there's going to be a lot of those that happen. But uh, I'll uh, since I'm a Padres fan, <clears throat> I want to I want to throw this this one out there. My bold prediction is going to be that uh, that Franci Cordero um, he'll he'll be a household name by by the end of the year, and they'll be calling him the franchise because he's the guy the guy is a beast. And, and the reason nobody's talking about him right now is because he's pretty much been hurt for the last two years. He's barely played. Um, and, you know, for, for all we know, he could come to camp and his elbow can hurt again and he's going to end up getting Tom and John surgery or some, something might come up. But, um, it's that, you know, he's been playing in winter ball and uh, no, nobody's talking about him. They have so many outfielders and everybody's focused on, you know, where are they going to trade for, for Mookie Betts? Um, you know, where are they going to play Will Myers? You got Trent Grisham and Tommy Pham coming in. You got... Um, Taylor Trammell is going to be up probably m- maybe this year, but most likely next year. There's, there's just not a lot of focus on, on Franchi right now. And the same thing happened last offseason where he had, he had this elbow injury, he missed most of the year. Um, but, you know, everybody was talking about Manny Margot. He's going to be the center fielder. And the thing is, is that if you are the manager and Franchi Cordero is on your roster, he's healthy, and you're writing out that lineup. You're not going to leave that guy. That, you're not going to leave that guy on the bench. He's 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 too good. He hits the ball so hard. He can run. And and the same thing is going to happen this year. As long as he makes it to that to that 26 man, as long as he makes the opening day roster, he's on your roster. He's not going to be on the bench. Manny Margot is not going to play ahead of him. Uh, Trent Grisham is not going to play ahead of him. If you know if Will Myers. If, if Will, Will Myers definitely not. You know, and I have my my, my projected roster right now is Bam, Francie Cordero, and and Grisham and right field. Um, and if they were to acquire to acquire Betts, yeah, I mean, which is not going to happen. But if they would have, I probably you know I would have been like, okay, is Grisham going to be the center fielder? As long as Cordero's on that roster, he is a beast. Um, so hopefully he doesn't get hurt. But if he, but if he's there. He's not going to sit on the bench. He's not. He's not going to be a bench player. He's too good. So, um, so my bold prediction is that that Franchi has a breakout this year, and he's he's the guy that everybody's talking about next offseason. Well, I'll, I'll say something like I'll, I'll pretend I'm talking to someone that's not yourself. Um, but here it goes, Jason. 
Well, as per roster resource, in fact, Franchi Correiro is projected to be their starting center fielder. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you have, yeah you have and that's, and that's <laughs> so, so, and I tried, I tried to make my projections based on you know, what I'm hearing from writers, reporters, I try to listen to, to, you know, the, the team managers and general managers aren't going to say it directly, but you try to, to read between the lines. But, um, and I think it's, like I said, last offseason was kind of the same thing. I had Francie Pinsolin over Margot, and everybody was saying, "What? why is he there? Margot's the guy. And I'm like, they're not going to, you know, if, if Francie's on the, on the roster, they're not going to keep him on the bench. And it, it didn't happen. It wasn't, he wasn't up very long before he got hurt. But, yeah, that was the case. He was on the roster. They kept putting him in the lineup, and he was going to play as long as he was there. So that's what, you know, but I, I think that would be one of the projections that I have where people kind of scratch their head and they go, well, they got Manny Margot there. Or, you know, Will Myers, yeah, he, he's been bad, but they probably want to give him a chance to play. Um, so, yeah, that, well, that's my buddy, probably my buddy more. Joe Gentile at Fake keeps all over um, Franchi as well. Like, he keeps, he keeps hyping up Franchi every year. And like what you were saying, yeah, for a lot of the same reasons you were talking about. So mm-hmm. I think that's a great. I think that's a. I think that's a pretty cool bold prediction. And he has. He's just. Uh, he's just oozing with upside though. Um, from a fantasy for fantasy leagues because of that speed power combo. Just. Uh, just that plate discipline. He could. Stri- he does strike out a lot. I know. Um, his. Um, his plate discipline. His plate discipline metrics aren't. Aren't the best, but he does have um, that upside if he puts it all together, right? Oh yeah, and, and I think with a lot of guys, it's, it's, there's a lot of guys like that and it's it's more about opportunity um you finally give him a chance and you know but you see you see, you see uh you see what Franchi did and even a small sample and, and i think when guys get hurt they fall off the radar quickly you know top prospects will finally get called up they'll have like a couple of months where they're okay or they get hurt maybe and then you kind of forget about them and nobody's talking about them the next year or they might have a year and a half where they took them a while to settle in and, you know, and nobody's talking about them anymore. And, you know, you go, wow, that guy was a, you know, was a top hundred prospect less than two years ago. Or, you know, it's, it's crazy how, you know, it's, it's all about what have you done for me lately? And some of the, especially some of the young guys who come out of nowhere and they, you know, uh, Aquino from, from the Reds is is one guy, which which is why I'm a little bit surprised that they've been acquiring so many outfielders because his, his small his small sample wasn't it was two months or three months but it was it was ridiculous how good he was and, even in um, the minor leagues but even, what's that even even in the minor leagues yeah yeah and 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 he you know and he was a guy who he he was basically a free agent they released him nobody signed him so he quietly resigned with them put up you know just like every everybody in AAA putting up huge numbers and then it was just a matter of giving him an opportunity. And he puts up these huge numbers, but usually somebody like that, it, it, it's buyer beware because, okay, well, you know, he, he did it for two months. Um, but I, I think in the rest perspective, they, they are being more cautious there. They go, he, he, you know, he, he wasn't as good late in the season. And so let's, let's cover ourselves. Let's make sure we, you know, they've acquired all kinds of outfielders just, you know, and to the point where Aquino's not, He's not even assured a roster spot right now. He's, he's lucky. Well, I think that's. I, I think that's where. I think it's one of the one of the things that people would want me to ask you is uh, just to talk about that Reds outfield. And you have Jesse Winker, um, a lefty, mm-hmm. um, in the starting lineup over Aquino. 
Yep, I have him as a platoon. It, right now. Yeah, that's 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 what I would that's what I would have figured that it's a platoon. So you think that um, do you believe that uh, Aquino hits only against left-handed hitters? Is that that's that's the presumption? Well, I think right now. Or sorry, I gave had, pitchers on that. I had I had a Aquino Aquino as a starting right fielder from from the time the season ended, and I said that there's no way this guy was so good. He's gonna be you know maybe you know maybe you get some cover some some outfield depth. You have somebody to cover for him if if he struggles. But for the most part, he deserves that starting right fielder's job. And you know then they they acquire Akiyama and they acquire you know once they sign up Castellanos, you go wow this maybe they don't maybe they don't think as highly of this guy. And so I actually heard in an inter- interview with their GM, with, with Dick Williams, and he, yeah, he pretty much said it. He said, yeah, he's not really – he struggled at the end of the season. We're going to make sure we have all of our bases covered because we don't know if this guy's the real deal over a full season. And so uh, – and he mentioned, yeah, he wasn't as good late in the season. So, yeah, he's going to get a chance, but he's not he, – he's not a sure to roster spot. So that's when I changed it. I said, well, you know, Jesse Winker, similar situation where it, with as a as Franchi in that he had he's been really good for a small sample, but you kind of forget about him because he because he's been hurt. And so, um, but if you look at his numbers last year against against right-handed pitching, he was really good. So it sounds like they, you know, he, it sounds like he's penciled into a corner spot. Um, and then you know we don't know what. Um, what Akiyama's going to look like, but he's a veteran guy, you know. He's but he's not he's not too old. He's kind of he's pretty much in his prime, and I think they they're pretty confident that he's going to be a solid solid outfielder. That he, so he he should be in there as well. So yeah, it, it's just one of those situations where there's you know I can compare it to the Dodgers and their pitching. You know, for it seems like forever they always they keep bringing in guys and bringing in guys and. And they're kind of doing it again now, but you kind of know where they're coming from now. It's, it's not as surprising where, uh, for what I do, you know, once you have five starting pitchers, five good starting pitchers, and you go, the, their rotation's set. And then they sign or acquire somebody else, and you go, whoa, now they got six. What am I supposed to do with this? Um, and then you have Well, to, that, that's, that's, a, that's a good segue because I was looking, and I've, like I said, I have questions. I could, I could ask questions for days on, on roster resource. Um, but now that you bring up the Dodgers, um, I notice that you um, do not have uh, Dustin May in, in the starting rotation, or even I think on the st- starting roster. I think you have, you have Alex Wood there, and I and I also looked at um, I, before we got on this call, I looked at CBS and I looked at um, the NFBC, their their roster, their um, depth charts, and MLB. CBS, for example, has uh, Dustin May in the rotation over Alex Wood, so. I don't know if you wanted to talk about that. I know you started to uh, started to allude to the Dodgers rotation a little bit yourself. Um, uh, maybe um, you'd like to discuss D- Dustin May a little bit. Sure. Well, I, and I think this is what they've been so good at. It, it's you know you look at their roster for for years and you go, okay, there's some star players, but you know they're they're 25 man roster. It, it's good. You know, it's not it's not great, but at the end of the year. They've gotten, you know, it, it's it's a it's a 162-game season, and that's what they're planning on. It's not, it's 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 a you know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And and so when you look at their roster right now, you can look at their top 20 guys, but there's also a bunch of guys in the minors who 
who not are only there for just just in case. It's like guys like Dustin May are are going to be a big part of that of that team. It's just not maybe not the the first month of the season, um, but you know guys like that. I think they tend to force their way onto the roster, and in reality. No team gets through the through spring training unscathed with with injuries. It's just it's like every team has at least a few pitchers on the injured list. So whatever you're looking at right now, it it's that's not it's most likely not what's going to get through spring training and onto opening day. Some some of the guys in the bullpen are going to get hurt. Somebody's not going to be very good. You're going to have a non-roster guy that nobody heard of that's going to push their way into onto the roster. That's that that happens and so. You know, somebody like Dustin May, who's already been in the majors, he's already been pretty good in the majors. He just kind of expected he's going to stay there, and which is which is, I think, you know, if if yeah, if, if Dustin May gets sent to the minors again, it's going to be like, whoa, how are you going to send that guy to the minors? But you know, the reality is you only have five rotation spots, and you know, assuming the the Price trade goes through, you got three spots accounted for with Kershaw, Bueller, and Price. Uh, they've already said Julio Arias is going to be a, is going to be a starter this year, and like I, like I mentioned before, there's certain guys that you just forget about because they've been hurt. And Arias, he's only 23 now, but I mean, for you know, four or five years ago, he's considered a guy who was on the fast track. He was one of the top, if not the best, pitching prospects in the game, um, just because of injuries and they've had to utilize them out of the bullpen, you kind of forget this guy was supposed to be the next big thing in the rotation. So they, they have to figure that out at some point. And um, that, that's why I have him penciled in. Alex Wood, when he was last with the Dodgers, when he was last healthy, he was a really good starting pitcher. So you got, you got five guys right there. Um, however, you know, anything can happen in spring training. If everything goes uh, as planned, nobody gets hurt. Wood and Urias have a good spring. Like you don't really need to bring Dustin May up right away. Yeah. He's a guy that you got him in your back pocket, and you go, okay, this guy's going to give us a boost at some point. Um, or hey, if, Jason, if, if, yes, uh, I, I do have a question about the offense too. While we're on the Dodgers, because uh, you know, just looking at your your uh, what you've got penciled in here, uh, I was listening to uh, RotoWire's. Uh, prospect podcast yesterday with James Anderson and Clay Link. And uh, James Anderson actually uh, took issue with the fact that you have Gavin Lux platooning uh, with Chris Taylor in this lineup. And it got me thinking about kind of a little bit about methodology. Uh, So maybe you could kind of talk about how you went about making that choice to put him in there as a, with a platoon mate and really how you handle uh, prospects and you know making the call because obviously your site probably has uh, a greater influence uh, or you individually have a greater influence on ADP than any other person because <laughs> people reference this all the time during NFBC drafts so um, you know I just I would love to hear a little bit about your methodology and maybe you can use Gavin Lux as an example yeah and, and typically for the platoons are always kind of weird because they in the lineups they change so often and so i i change this around often like you know if, if not if not once once a week sometimes it's every series you know and, the, and during the season the the way i i determine projected go-to lineup is 
if if it's uh you know first game of the series, teams facing a right-handed pitcher, they're going with their go-to go-to lineup, and that that's what I go with. So I kind of I kind of try to stick with that. And if you know if they change up the lineup, you know, in game three of the series, or against a left-handed pitcher, it doesn't tell me as much. But I'm kind of looking at it that way. And so during the off season, I'm looking at opening day projected roster. Let's not worry about if they're facing a lefty or righty. Assuming it's a right-hander, this is this is who they're going to go with. And so, when I determine, you know, who's going to platoon, it's typically going to be I'm going to I'm going to use the the splits a lot and go. This guy was really bad against lefties last year. He's probably going to platoon. They got a guy on the, on the bench who can handle lefties. That makes sense. Um, the dot. This, this situation is a little bit trickier because you can't really. Lux wasn't up long enough to determine, you know, if he's good or if if his splits are going to be, um, <clears throat> if his splits are, are going to be um, better against right righties or, or or lefties. We don't know if he's going to be able to hit lefties. And at some point, a young guy like that, a top prospect, you, you go, you have to let him figure it out whether he struggles against him or not. He has to he has to get in there every day and figure out how to hit lefties. Um, but with that said, they're so deep. They have so many guys that they that they like to play often. And you go, Chris Taylor is gonna is you know, or Enrique Hernandez. They're probably gonna be in the lineup against a lefty who mashes lefties like crazy. Yeah. 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 And so if you go through the lineup, you go, well, none of these guys really deserve to sit against a lefty. They're all good. But when a lefty's on the mound, you go, okay, well, here's a day for for Corey Seager to sit. Or here, here's the day. For Max Muncy, even though they don't sit, they don't yeah. sit very often, or yeah, and and I think um, you know obviously Pollock's going to sit, you know, and, and you got a guy like Matt Beatty who who was pretty good last year as well, um, and so Gavin Lux, I think, it's just because he's a young guy on this team that's probably going to win ninety five hundred games, you're easing him in there. You don't want to you don't want to do you don't want to get overwhelmed, and so that's the only the only reason I'm looking at it as a platoon is. We're going to give Gavin Lux some time off, and if we're facing a tough lefty, that's when we get Taylor or Hernandez in there. And so, so, you're, you're, so Jason, Jason, you're sort of you're sort of thinking like a, like an MLB manager because you're you're thinking in their head like they're a young player. So you're 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 not you're you're, you're, you're looking at stats. You're looking at um, I guess um, playing time options. You're looking at all the things that like an actual real team would look at. So you're really trying to play manager in this circumstance. Yeah, like, like I said, I'm. I'm this is more focused towards the beginning of the season, but also um, if you look at my projected plate appearances, which which aren't on the depth charts yet, but they are, they can be found on, on Fangraphs, and, and eventually we'll get them on the roster resource pages. But I have, uh, for example, I have Gavin Lux with 560 plate appearances, which is, is more than a guy who's going to be platooned against every left-hander. He's going to he's going to play a lot, and I have. Chris Taylor with a, a little bit over 300 plate appearances. So it's all, um, you know, I, I think every team, you know, you you can give one guy on your is, bench is, 300 plate appearances easily. Is that yeah. updated yeah. for the trade? Do you want to hear my bold prediction? I know we're sort of, we're sort of running, we've sort of um, tackled some other questions we've had to, we were going to ask anyways, but I got a bold prediction too. Um, sure. I know we've, I know we're like sort of like 15 minutes after the fact mine. Um, I tried to, I'm trying to relate it into, I'm trying to relate this one into, um, roster construction. I'm going to say, um, on the Atlanta Braves, 
Kyle Wright, um, by the end of the year, is your second best pitcher on that team. Um, and I, I'm saying he wins the spot. I know you have Newcomb in there, so that's a talking point that we had. Um, to begin the season, even though Newcomb was a reliever for, I think, most of last year, most of the think, uh, his innings. But I think his stuff is great. I'm not going to go too much into it, but that's my bold prediction. Any thoughts on the, uh, on the Atlanta rotation? So you got you got guys like Wright, you got Ian Anderson, but I noticed you, you tend to – it seems like you, you maybe um, – Air on the side of not maybe not caution, but um, what's going to happen at the start of the year? Because I think if you had the roster resource for your projected lineups on July first, they'd probably they'd probably be a lot different than what they what you're showing here, like with Adele, Joe Adele, and other guys that like Mackenzie Gore um, that would that you presume to be up by the second half of the year. Yeah, and I I think um, you know with the Braves they they have so many good pitching prospects and now we're not really talking about them anymore because they all kind of were broken in and, you know, and, you know, you get a start here and there, you sit in our bullpen for a week or two and nobody really stood out because nobody really got a good shot. It's a really good team. It's hard for, for them just to throw a prospect in there. Um, And so you kind of, you know, that, that's why Cal, you can say Cal Wright is, is a bold prediction, but you go, man, that guy was the number five pick in the draft. He was one of the best college pitchers in the game, and he's never had a chance. So it, it, a lot of it is opportunity. So, yeah, if, if I was to look at the Braves and go, okay, halfway through the season, what's going to happen? I would predict that one of these guys, Cal Wright, Bryce Wilson, Atuki Toussaint, um, you know, maybe an Ian Anderson forces his way up there. One of these guys is probably going to show the Braves that, they're ready. They're ready. They're going to be a, a contributor. And, and in that case, you just move a guy like, you know, let's say all five of those guys are healthy. You move Sean Newcomb to the bullpen. Um, they've covered themselves already where you probably don't need Newcomb in the bullpen. Their bullpen is so deep right now that they've set themselves up where they can go, look, let's see what, let's see what Newcomb, if, if what he did last year out of the bullpen can translate back to the rotation. He didn't have a chance to, to start last year. I think he had um, maybe two two or three starts, and, and he looked he pretty it. good. And, 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 and then they just moved into the bullpen, and they're like, yeah, this guy's going to help us out of the bullpen. Oh, oh New- Newcomb? Yeah. Because right, Kyle, Kyle Wright did have an opportunity last year, and he kind of blew it. He, he, did, he pitched poorly in his opportunity at the start of the year. I, I actually had a similar bold prediction last year. I thought Kyle Wright would be great. But um, I'm doing a great job of transitioning because my good friend, Johnny, at MLB Moving Average, uh, I don't know if you've done MLB Moving AVG on Twitter, he's um, also congratulations to, to him. He's now writing for the Athletics, so he's doing really well for himself. Um, and um, With respect to these Atlantic pitchers, he has a strategy if he's drafting on the turn or otherwise, he wants to collect them, sort of like a Monopoly board. He wants to get all those properties. So when, he, when we're in these deep drafts, he's getting Kyle Wright and Ian Anderson together. And the reason why I bring him up is because he's the only guy that, had, that came up with a question to ask you when I asked it on Twitter, does anyone have any questions for you? So he says, I'm having a hard time building my expectations for the Brewers around Sogard leading off as listed per RR. I wouldn't be shocked if Adnesayil, who has some experience at top lineups, gets a shot. Maximize those play appearances. So, yeah, Jason, I think, you have... yeah, I, I think uh, they have a lot of they have a lot of uh, 
potential moving moving parts there. And I think, you know, that, that they start adding they just start adding a bunch of guys this off season who have had success at some point in time and at different positions. And, and you kind of go, well, it, I see what they're doing because they <clears throat> they're building depth. They needed some infielders. Um, a guy like Sogard was a really effective leadoff hitter at, at the beginning of at the beginning of the last last year with the uh with the Blue Jays and he went over to the Rays and, and helped them out a little bit. Um so, you know, at least for for me there isn't anybody that stands out as a as a leadoff man. So you, you figure, okay, they need a third baseman, Sogar can handle third base, he could platoon with Jed Jerko, Ryan Healy's there as well. But um, you know, this this gives them an opportunity to to have you know, Kane and Yelich hitting two and three, and, and and you still got a couple. You know, you got the young guy hero there. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, it, it's a, it a lot a lot of different things can happen. And we look at teams like like the Rays, who have so many guys like that as well. It, it, it just move. They can change the lineup every single day. They can have different guys at different spots every single day. Um, once Lu, once Luis Urias is healthy. Um, he's the type of guy that people expect to hit the top of the lineup. Um, he wasn't quite there with the Padres. He, he he had some adjustments to make, and and in that case, I I wouldn't if he was healthy, I wouldn't start him. I wouldn't project him to hit at the top of the lineup either. I think he he's a guy who'd have to prove himself. I um, mean, once he shows you that he is what you know, he he's that guy who who puts the bat in the ball and has good at bats, and and, and he walks and he gets on base at a you know three fifty plus clip then that's the guy you go okay this this guy can hit lead off he can hit second um but i think especially projecting early in the season you lean towards the veterans um you want to see what you get out of these guys <clears throat> out of these veterans they've they've done it before and then with the younger guys who are unproven you want you want them to force your hand you don't want to just hand them anything and i think i think that's you know when i, when I do my projections that's a lot of that goes into it is this guy maybe everybody thinks he's going to be good and maybe he's going to be good. I don't think this team is going to hand him the job. So I'm going to, you know, if they spend money on a veteran player, they're going to see what, what they can get out of him. They're not just going to let the guy sit on the bench and, you know, especially a team, you know, even, even a team that isn't expected to, to, uh, to contend for the playoffs you still want the veteran guys in there to build value because these are guys that you're going to want to trade later, later on in the season. And so you, you can say, well, the young guys can, they can develop in the minors. They can be motivated and try to force our hand. And at the same time, you got these veterans. We're going to let them play every day. And if they're doing good, like Eric Sogard last year, the Blue Jays, you know, traded him, um, you know the Brewers. You know if the Brewers weren't contending, they got a couple guys like you know Sogard and Jerko that they they would hopefully be able to trade. They're not going to have any trade value if they're just sitting on your bench. Cool. Yeah. Uh, this I think, is I think people people people, people want to see the the more exciting player get the plate appearances. I think that's what John and, and I think what I'm thinking. Like I'd much rather see Abisayel get the plate appearances rather than Sogard just because he has upside. He's more. He's he's the mm-hmm. more exciting player. But um, I, I want to move on now, and um, just well, I actually have a bone to pick with you, Jason. We got one thing. Um, with I looked, I looked at I looked at all the teams before we talked, and I got one thing. I'm like, you got to change this. Um, 
And uh, like, let me say beforehand, like browser resource is the best resource for, um, for anything like this. I've looked at um, uh, the NFBC site has Felix Hernandez as the number three starting pitcher on the Braves. They also have David Price on the Dodgers and the Red Sox still. Um, and um, so, and um, so yeah, like, you're by far the best, but the Oakland A's, I think somebody has to change in the Oakland A's. Can you guess what it is? Oh yeah, it, it's AJ Puck, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the one thing. I, like, I, I don't. I, I, I respect the uh, the work that goes into this, and I respect all of the how you how you've um, predicted all the lineups and everything like that. But that's the one thing where we, I think we have information that um, that we can say that AJ Puck is uh, a, is is in that starting rotation. Yeah, and I think. That's the one thing what I, you know, when I, I heard that a month ago or so, and, and you know, somebody said, oh, AJ Puck's going to be in their rotation. Like, and I'm thinking like, somebody said he's definitely going to be in their rotation. I don't know why you would say he would definitely be in the rotation. Um, and so I went and looked at a few, I don't remember who was the writer, um, but the quote I got was a little weird. It was, like, okay, they're saying he's coming to camp as a starter. They're not saying he's going to be in the rotation. I think so you kind of have to, like I said, they don't always come out and say it. And I don't think the A's would come out and say this young kid who, who doesn't, he's barely pitched in the majors and he's coming off a of Tommy John surgery. You don't come out and say he's going to be in our rotation. You say he's going to, he has a chance to make our rotation. And the same with Jesus Lizardo, um, which I, I think he's a little bit, bit ahead of him, but I, I think. Um, you know, for, I have Chris Bassett penciled in as a number five starter. He was, he was, he's, I think he's fine as a number five starter. And I think AJ Puck is going, you know, obviously has, has ability to be a number, number two, number three, you know, if everything goes perfectly, he can, he can be an ace. Um, do they, you know, it, this is a contending, a team that expects to contend for the playoffs and they need, <clears throat> Lusardo and Puck contributing in September and October if that if, if they're going to go deep into the playoffs. And so I think I've also seen somebody say that they wanted to cap them around 120 innings, both of those both of those guys, which which if that's if that's the case, they're not going to be on the they're not going to be in the rotation from April until the playoffs because this is not the kind, you know, I think the Padres um the Padres did it with Paddock, but they were letting them. They were, they were going with a six-man rotation for the most part, and they're not. They weren't trying to compete. I mean, they 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 knew they weren't playoff contenders, and so they're just throwing. You know, if if, if they're they're letting Paddock stay on the in the roster the entire season, but it's every six or seven days he's pitching, and so the A's. Yeah, this team's got are, some nice pitching depth too. I mean, they've got some guys that they could fill in and, and eat some innings if they need to, you know, with Blackburn and, um, you know, they've got uh, Mangden in there. and You know, those names aren't going to dazzle you, but, you know, as we've seen over the years, the A's have made it work with pitchers that everybody kind of turns their nose up to. And, you know, every year they're right there. They're either making the playoffs or they're just on the outside looking in, and they're doing it with mixing and matching pitching. So, yeah, I, I tend to think – People have these, you know, uh, Puck, uh, Luzardo, and, and even Montas um, a little too high in their rankings because I, I really see a path to them 
limiting the innings of all three of them. And at least Montas isn't coming off an injury. He's coming off the suspension. But, um, you know, I, I think people are, are reaching pretty high for those guys. Yeah, and I think you can you can make a case for 120 innings for Puck. But I think you just probably, they probably have to do a better job. Of, they have to scatter it a little bit more throughout the season where in the, if, if he starts the season in the minors, he um, – you know they they can monitor his innings a little bit and, and if he's in the majors if he's, if he's in the rotation in the majors right away I think at some point they're gonna have to they're gonna have to shut him down um, or they can ease him into to a bullpen role I mean he he can be a beast out of the bullpen late in the season as well so I, I think there's there's also that that potential um, but yeah he threw he threw 125 innings in 2017 which is so so he was already built up pretty pretty good you know as a 20 probably 21, 22 year old. So he was, he was getting there, but then he misses the entire 2018 season comes back last year. He only threw, you know, 30 innings, 35 innings, whatever it was. He didn't make, he only made a few starts. So that's not the kind of guy you want to project 25, 30 starts from. I'm, I'm thinking more, I don't know what my projection is right now, but I'm, you know, I'm thinking more like you can give him 15 starts and then he finishes the season out of the bullpen and he's, He's one of the go-to guys. Jason, are you yeah. responsible on on fan graphs for the percentages? Like, if you look, if you go to the teams and then you go to the depth chart, are you responsible for those percentages as well? Is that taken from yeah. the resource? Okay, that's yeah. what, that's what so, I mean. So those are on fan graphs, but I'm I'm updating those. Yeah, this is this is awesome. This is actually really awesome because if you look at the if you look at the roster resources, which I typically did, it has like for example, I'm looking at the A's. Kemp is projected to be their starting second baseman, but really if you dig into that second baseman mix, it's really just a mess. <laughs> um, yep. uh, because you don't, it's going to, it's going to be hard to roster a lot of those guys in the draft and hold like Barreto news. Um, USC, I don't know how to pronounce that Kemp. Um, Noisy. Mateo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So all those guys, um, it's going to be messier. And actually I had, I had one more question with just with um, like one of the technical aspects of roster resources. I'm trying to pull it up to find an example. Um, uh, okay, the Blue Jays, for example. I'm, I'm on their page, and everyone's in brown or beige or whatever, but then Joe Panik's in white. What does that mean? So he uh, he was signed to a minor league contract. He's not on he's not on the 40-man roster. Oh, okay. And so so the 40-man. Yeah. Yeah, so with that – and I think that that gives you a, a hint. I mean, if, if somebody's on the 40-man roster, obviously they're, they're going to have a – better chance of making the team. If, if, if Joe Panic makes the team, they have to add him to the 40 man roster. If the 40 man roster is full, they have to get, they have to move somebody off the 40 man roster. So um, just depending on, you know, how many guys are hurt at the end of spring, how many guys are, are out of options, things like that. You know, it, the depth is important. The depth um, is, is something that I think it, it doesn't get a lot, a lot of coverage, but what a lot of these teams are trying to do is, is, build up depth. And so if you got a guy like, like Joe Panic, for example, is probably, he probably signed a minor league deal with an opt out clause. So if he's not going to make, make the team, he'll have to make the team. Yeah. But if he, if he's not, if he doesn't think he's going to make the team, he could probably opt out like March 22nd. Usually it's, it's, it's around there. And so sometimes teams will go, okay, we don't want to lose this guy. Let's add him now before he, he opts out. Um, and then certain guys, can be taken off the 40-man roster, and if they get, if they go unclaimed, they if they haven't if, if it's the first time they've gone through that process, 
you get to keep him, but now he's no longer on your 40-man roster. But now you get you have depth in the in the in AAA, and he's not a guy that's going to be using options going up and down. It's just a guy that, that's there and just in case you need him. So this is why you see so many guys get designated for assignment and claimed over and over during the off season. <clears throat> teams are teams will see a guy and they go, oh, let's claim him. We're probably going to have to designate him. We're probably we, we pro- probably won't have room for him if we sign somebody else later on, but if we get him, if we, de- if we designated him for assignment at the time where nobody really has an opportunity to claim him, then he goes unclaimed and we get to keep him, but he's no longer taking up 40 man space. So Con- that, that kind of stuff I, 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 sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say that that kind of stuff is, isn't important for a lot of people, but if you really, really getting down to a, a, a team's, roster situation or a player situation, you start looking at options and you start looking at whether, you know, 40 man, he's on the 40 man roster or not and opt out dates and things like that. And that's not going to be for your main, your main guys, but you're looking at a guy like Joe panic, who is on, he's going to be on the bubble for the roster. That's, that's the kind of way to know what, you know, how, how good of a chance he has to make it. What I was going to say was, um, I think, like, on the other hand, um, I think it's really good that, you, that I, I think if you look at how many options – there's a column for how many options a player has left, so that will give you, that will give you the um, information to sort of draw your own conclusion on that. And one of, the, one of the examples that I really like that you have here is you have Brandon Bailey on the Orioles in the rotation. And the reason I say that – and I've been, I've been hyping this guy – or not hyping, but I've just been I've been trying to I've been identifying this guy as someone that has late round value in these fantasy leagues because he was a Rule Five pick from Houston. Now I will admit that, that if, if his eight if his ADP goes up, I'm going to give you full credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> You've been the guy on him. <laughs> yeah. So this this guy you you have him in the rotation. I don't I don't think any of I don't think many if any of the other uh, roster resources or or uh, resources that have depth charts show this and i think it's because if the, the the orioles don't put them on the roster and then they have to give them back to houston right and so typically a real five pick they're going to try to they're going to try to hide him in the bullpen they're they're going to they're going to try to limit the usage and use them in mop-up duty um the orioles are a little bit different so I, and i think this probably speaks more to to the orioles roster as opposed to, to bailey but um you know, because Bailey was in Double A last year, I I think he he's a guy who wouldn't be overwhelmed if he made you know even in the in the AL East it'll be a rough it'll be a rough time but there's no um, expectations that it's involved it's ball yeah I think I, yeah and they they took two pitchers they actually took a, a pitcher from the Cubs named Michael Rucker who's who has experience out of the bullpen he, he was a starter but I I think they they have no reason not to try to hold on to both of these guys um, I'd give Bailey and I, I think just, just just in, in their case, they, they don't have a lot of, aside from John Means and Alex Cobb, uh, Asher Wojcikowski did good last year. I think he, he's penciled in as well. Besides those three guys, there isn't anybody else who deserves to be penciled in. And so they signed Wade, Wade LeBlanc to a, a minor league deal, and you go, okay, yeah, give him a chance. But that number five spot is pretty much wide open right now. And I think um, they got a lot of guys in their bullpen who, who – probably deserve a look and and I don't know if you know I, I think I think Brandon Bailey is a guy who 
who they'd probably take a look at and say, hey, let's give this guy some starts early in the year. Unless, you know, unless there, there's, there's still a lot of free agent starters out there, but even at this point late in the offseason, it, it's surprising that there is a spot for a, a Rule 5 pick and, and an actual starting rotation. Side note, um, CBS depth charts has Wade LeBlanc, not as the number four starter on Baltimore, but as a starter on Seattle still. <laughs> so um, that's one. That's another reason why to use roster resource rather than anything else. But my question, my, my question is over under two point five starts uh, for Wade LeBlanc on the Orioles um, before someone like Dean Creamer comes up and replaces him, or if 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 we get anything. <laughs> I think I think he goes a little bit over that. I, I think they'll give him a month or so. I think I think if you look at they have a few guys in the minors that, and Creamer's already on the forty man. Keegan Aiken as well. Um, they signed Cole Stewart, who's still sort of kind of interesting. Only twenty five years old, number four pick in the draft way back. Um, they got a few other young guys. Triple um, A Bruce Zimmerman is a guy who could get to look this year. Uh, Zach Lowther, Alex Wells, but. Um, because they are a team that, no matter what, they're gonna they're gonna be awful. This is this is like the, what, the rare team where I can't look at the situation and go, okay, if this goes right, if this goes right, if this goes right, if this guy does better than expected, if, if this guy stays healthy, they'll they'll be okay. There's no there's there's no way I can do that with with this team, and so it's it's a full full rebound. Want to give all these young guys a chance, but um, you, especially with pitching. You don't want to just throw these guys in, into the fire and have them get get killed early in the season where they're just bouncing back and forth. You want to let them develop in the minors. Um, I just looked up the, uh, the up. O's early schedule is Yankees, Red Sox, Cardinals, Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so, you know, these guys, you want to make, you know, some of these young pitchers as well. They would love to make that opening day roster, and nobody thinks they're going to get – get get knocked around by any 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 uh, major league lineup but you know in reality what happens when these have, you have to face the Yankees you know you have to face all these really good teams you have to go face the Red Sox and if it if it's really ugly you're going to get sent back to the minors and your confidence could be shaken um, ideally you want to you want to set them up to you don't want to set them up to fail, you want to give them a good situation, and you want them coming up with confidence. So, if if they have four or five, six good starts in a row in AAA, that that's when you bring them up. That's when you go. These guys are feeling pretty good about themselves. Let's let's reward them and, and give them a shot. And so, um, there, there's limited time to do that in, in spring training. There are guys that surprise, but especially for a starter, I mean, you're you're lucky to get to be built up to five or six innings by the last start of spring training so it's more 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 common with relievers that relievers can can impress they'll throw like eight or nine scoreless innings in in spring training you go okay i guess they have to make the team but it's much much more difficult for for a starter so so when you're looking at starting pitching prospects you know even a guy like aj puck and even guys like um brendan mckay from from the race you know it's like where where does he actually fit is he going to is he going to make the opening day roster? And you go, ah, we probably don't need him for the first month of the season. Just let him develop in AAA and then call him up at, at the perfect time. So you think the same thing about Nate Lowe there? About mm-hmm. Nate Lowe in Tampa Bay? 
Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, like that's that's one of the they, things I want to ask you about before you, before I let you go is the Rays. We can't let you go without talking about the Rays uh, log jam with Nate Lowe. Um, um, there's uh, Satugo, G-Man Choi, um, G-Man Choi, yeah. and then you have the third, yeah. the third baseman, um, uh, Yandy Diaz. Yeah, so I, I was on Yandy Diaz a lot. Now uh, people seem to be coming off him quite a bit because of the logjam. But I don't know if he, I don't know if he loses much time at third base. I'm gonna look at. I'm yeah, gonna, he, go, he, go ahead, Jason. Go ahead while, while I look it up. Yeah, I, I think when you look at the Rays, they have a lot of guys who can play a lot of positions. They'll move, move them all around, but. When you bring in uh, Susugo, who is is characterized as a guy who is probably a first baseman, he's played some third base, he's played some corner outfield, but he probably shouldn't be out there. So he's probably they are like you know when they say well yeah he'll probably be okay at first base, and you already got G Man Choi there he's he's first base or DH it's kind of the same the same guy and you know Nate Lowe is. You know, he, I think he's played some third base last year. I'm not sure if he's he's been in the outfield at all. Um, but they did, again, they did it, try him out a, a little bit in the minors at third. I did remember reading that as well. Yeah, I remember seeing. Yeah, and I don't know if he got if he had any starts in the majors, but he's a guy who doesn't really fit on that that team right now. And it's good to have him in AAA where you call him up if one of these guys, you know, if Susugo isn't good or if one of these guys gets hurt. You got that guy to step right in, and and you could possibly just not miss a beat. Just just throw him well, right this, in there. This so. seems to be this seems to be updated, eh? This I'm looking at I'm looking at the depth chart on Fangraphs Tampa Bay. They don't even have they don't. There's no uh, Tetsugo on here. And uh, when you look at the, yeah, the, the depth it's chart, a, unfortunately, the unfortunately, we don't have the any any player who has never who has never been in the um, in uh, pro ball, my, uh, minor league baseball or major league baseball is not in the system. And so they don't have a card, have right? Work, yeah. You have to work around it until we figure out a, how to get those guys in there. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's four guys this, this off season. Um, and, and they're just not in the depth chart. So you kind of have to, um, yeah, you got to throw this. You got, you can't really use this as much because Sitsugo is going to eat into a chunk of everyone's time. Well, not everyone, but DH for space. Yeah, I, I, I try to project. We don't, so I, they, I don't know. So, so, so the main guys didn't weren't really affected. So like, with the Rays, I probably gave more time to Low to Nate Lowe, so that might be a little misleading with Nate Lowe, and you know. But there was it was more like that as opposed to um, Nate Lowe you know, just if, has eight percent at first base. Yeah, let me uh, let me see what I did here, and and the same thing with the Reds. Like with the Reds, there isn't anybody. You know, with with uh, Akiyama, he's not he's not on the depth on the projection, so playing time projection. And so I try to give a lot of a lot of his time to somebody like Travis Jankowski and um, somebody who might probably want to make the team, but try not to mislead with, with too many of, of of the main guys there. Um, yeah, I'm just like looking. Have, this, is, this is cool. You have, you have Verlander. I'm just this is I'm, I'm, this is me having ADD. I'm just looking at the Rays lineup, and they're playing the the Astros first. Um, or is was this? Oh, this is 2019. Never mind. Never mind. I thought you were projecting the. I thought you were, I thought you were projecting the batting order each each um, game, but no, this is the actual this is the actual batting order, batting order for player use the under the oh, player right. usage. Oh, okay. Um, well, yeah. So, so you look at if you look at the Rays, if, if I were to add Tsugu into that into those playing time projections, I'd probably give him around you know 450, 500 plate appearances, and that probably cuts into a few guys that I have like Nate Lowe. I have 
224 plate appearances. As things stand right now, it's hard for him to to get up to get up into the into the majors unless somebody gets hurt. So a lot of it goes to him. Um, you know, guys who play all over the place like Michael Brosso and and uh, Daniel Robertson, Joey Wendell as, as well. So it doesn't really doesn't really affect the main the main guys who were up in the 500 and 600 plate appearance. Right on. Um... So I, th- I think um, one of the things I definitely wanted to talk to you about was the recent transactions, and not only not only the best trade. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that last because it might take up more time. But um, two player, two, two two of the smaller transactions that seem like they're coming that wouldn't that you wouldn't have yet because it, it's not finalized is are Domingo Santana possibly to the Indians and Hunter Pence possibly to the Giants. Um, what sort of playing time would you expect for Domingo Santana on the Indians? And uh, right now, I think you have Greg Allen projected in the starting lineup, along with Jake Bowers, with um, the Shields also on the sideline. So, would you would you think the Shields and Santana uh, would be the reserves in that scenario? I would um, I would put Santana in the lineup ahead of Bowers or Allen. I had you know I saw that yesterday, and I so I, th- I had to think about it. And you know, is Allen going to be one of those guys today? Just consider really good fourth outfielder um, or do they want to give him a chance to play? And, and, you know, Jake Bowers was a good, really good prospect. He hasn't been good in the, in, in the majors at all. So why is he even on that projected roster? I, I might even move Bowers to the minors. Um, and just because Santana has, he has, yeah, that one really, really good season. Um, I think if they were to sign him, they would want to give him a chance Um you know, maybe you leave Allen in that starting lineup just because, you know, you're losing some defense there, you know, by having Santana in there or Fran Mill, whoever's playing between those two guys, you're not, you're going to probably need another a guy, a fast guy like Allen to, to make up some space or, you know, DeShields. Um, and then of course, uh, Jordan Luplo might be, maybe they want, they might want to take a look at him a little bit more often than just as a platoon. But I would think Santana, if they were to sign him, even if it's just that, you know, it, it's not. It doesn't sound like they're going to give him a lot of money. It's going to. It sounds like it's a one-year, one million dollar deal. Um, I think they would want to. You know, from the get-go, let's see if this if he's the same guy who, who hit 30 home runs a couple of years ago, and um, and make a guy like Jake Bowers or Greg Allen force themselves, and you know, force us to change to change our minds. So if I yeah, I don't like this. This this cuts into my Daniel Johnson shares. I was hoping they would give him a shot at some point this season because he had a really good year last year in the minors. So if, if I were to, if I were to uh, draft Domingo Santana, who would you be drafting? Delano DeShields or Greg Allen? Um, if, or Jake Bowers? Who would be your next person up to sort of um, say, okay, I got, I got Domingo, but I'm not 100% confident with, with him. Who would you be? Who would be, who'd be your sort of handcuff in that scenario? Who would be your first go-to? Um... Yeah, I mean, like I, I think Bowers is the guy that that still has a chance to to take playing time from him early on in the season. But I, I don't really not a big believer, and I, I think I think if if things aren't going well for either of those guys, I think I think Daniel Johnson is a guy who, who they'll take a look at. They just added him to the forty man. You can't forget about Bradley Zimmer. He's been you, you know he, he's a guy who mostly could just you can run. He hasn't. He had, he's shown some ability to hit, but I'm not sure how 
if he's ever going to get a chance to play every day. But an interesting guy. He was he was a top prospect back in the day. Um, but yeah, they have a couple of young guys, and it really depends on how their season's going. They they probably should, they're probably good enough with that pitching staff to 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 contend all year. So I think they are going to be. You know, they they might they might be they might not be too quick to go to a young guy like Daniel Johnson. Um, DeShield is interesting enough where you know he, he's a guy who can work his way into the lineup a little bit more often. But I'd probably even go with Greg Allen ahead of him. DeShield has just hasn't done much offensively in a while. Uh, Greg so Allen. You're really down on that trade that they made with for Kluber because you you have DeShield as a reserve and then you have um, Karinchek like as a middle reliever. A lot of people have Karinchek penciled in as that setup in that setup role as like sort of a handcuff to Brad Hand, but you have Karinchek fourth on the depth like fourth in the pecking order in that bullpen and you have DeShield <laughs> as a reliever. So those are two things that like I guess sort of signal that Kluber they didn't get a whole lot of return. Um, I guess immediate return for Kluber. Yeah, they they love. Classe, and I think, uh, yeah, so now you got two guys that could potentially, you know, be the, the next in line for Brad Hand. Um, and the way you have, I have – You have Wicker in the head of both of them, though. Yeah, and the way I have the bullpen set up is the eighth inning guy is, is the guy that they, they're going to they're gonna trust a little bit more, right? And early in the season, Whit, that I think Wicker is a guy who's, who they can rely on a little bit more. He had a good year in, in 2019, and the other two guys are, are – no matter how good their stuff is, um, they have not proved themselves in the major yet, majors yet. So that could change quickly. So that, that could change in spring training. Um, and those two guys are just look, two, two of the most hyped relievers in, in baseball right now just because of their stuff. But Karen Chick was he was hurt most a lot of last year as well. So I, I know they called him up late in the year. And um, – yeah, his, his strikeout numbers in the minors are ridiculous. So, so you can, you know, he's a guy who's been on a lot of. If you've been play, paying close attention, he's he's on your radar because you go, wow, that's even for minor league pitchers, that's ridiculous how many guys he strikes out. Um, so, but we don't know how that's going to translate to the majors yet. Does he have the command to to do it on a regular basis? We don't we don't know, and I don't think the Indians want to find that out early in the season as well. They're gonna they're gonna ease him in until they trust him, and so. You know, that's even, a good even, transition. That's a that's a good transition to what I what I told you I was going to ask you about. Um, I, I when I when I asked you to come on the show, I'm like I'm going to ask you about the Texas bullpen, and uh, there's a certain individual in the minor leagues that really reminds me of Karinchuk in terms of his numbers. Now we have Leclerc who's a closer. I think we, everyone agrees on that. And then you know, as I've done more research, I think they, Jolie Rodriguez, I think um, is is very interesting as well. And I think there's other people on that depth, depth chart. But the guy I'm trying to, the guy I want to ask you about, and I and I know it's great that you, you wouldn't see him on any other depth chart because no no other depth charts go this far into the minors. His name is Demarcus Evans. He sounds like a mix of a basketball and football player, but um, he's actually a pitcher in in Double A for the Rangers, and his strikeout numbers are ridiculous. And he's a closer. Um, I I've been taking him in draft and hold leagues in round fifty. Uh, this Demarcus Evans guy, if if I've drafted real quick. Uh, if I don't draft Leclerc, I'm not going to take him. But um, do you have anything to say about him? Yeah, sure. I think, you know, you're looking at uh, opportunity, for, for first of all. I, I think opportunity is, is there's a lot of guys who are, who are really good who just were never going to get a chance. Um, he was added to the 40-man roster this offseason, so that gives him, you know, that, that, that gives him a shot there, you know, because he's going to be an option if he's going to use a, an option, whether he's on the majors or not. They have to option to the minors after 
after spring training if he doesn't make the team. So at that point, how often they bring him up and give him a chance, it, it's a uh, it, it, does, it doesn't matter. He's he's used his, he's using the option in, in 2020. So um, this he's interesting because I think a lot of guys who end up in the bullpen with that, you know, who are successful, who have really good stuff, they they are minor league starters. And you know, after four or five, six years, they've been trying to develop a third pitch, and then eventually they're they're close enough to where the team says, if this guy just focuses on his two pitches he can help us pretty quickly. And I think the Rangers um, moved Evans to the bullpen pretty early. I don't think he was out of short season ball yet. I think it's pretty, yeah. So his first season and his first year in full season ball in 2018, he was, he was a reliever and last year as well, all the way up to double A. So I'm not sure what, what his, what his arsenal is, but it, it seems like he has some pitches that, yeah, at least one pitch that misses bats. He has, like you said, ridiculous strikeout rates there. Um, walks are a little bit high, and um, you know, but if you look at his Double A numbers, he allowed 14 hits in 37 and two thirds innings. So you, you can, and, and he struck out almost, almost uh, about 16 to 17 batters per nine. So I, I think that's. You, you get an idea of what kind of stuff he has and whether that's breaking yeah. ball or, or fastball that, that's getting getting the strikeouts. You, you don't have to look at the scouting report. You just look at that, that stat line and you go, wow, that's that's ridiculous. And, and he's a young guy, too. He's only 20, 23. Um, some of these guys, like I said, it takes them five to six years of developing as a starter. And so they're already 25, 26 years old. And then the team goes, all right, let's just, you know, he, he's going to be a reliever, focus on the two pitches. And then they finally make it to the majors at 26, 27. But um, I, I can see somebody like this, but you could, you know, there's probably guys like this on, the, you know, all around the minor leagues, guys that nobody's talking about, but he's on the 40 man. <laughs> and yeah, those, those numbers are kind of, kind of ridiculous. But the one thing you have to, to keep in mind is that, um, you know, guys don't get called up from the minors and then just moved into a closer role. They have to prove themselves um, in a, usually a, a lower leverage role. And, you know, so let's say DeMarcus Evans gets off to a good start in AAA. He's doing really good in this day. He, he deserves he deserves a call up. You know, they're not going to throw him into the fire on, you know, on the his first game. They no. might. I mean, maybe they, they want, maybe they say, hey, let's see what he can do. Um, but I think for the most part, they want to ease them in and not have things just go terrible on his first his first major league in his major league debut, you know. So they they probably want to give him some lower leverage games and then eventually move into a seventh inning role. Maybe you know it, it's not going to happen. You know, for the most part, it's not going to happen quickly. Um, as in, like like Edwin Diaz, they moved him from starter to reliever in Double A, knowing that this guy can move really quick um, if he just focuses on the two pitches. And that happened like almost overnight. He was in the majors then pretty quickly. He was, he was their closer. So um, it, it could happen. Of course, because it's baseball and crazy things happen. Yeah, I guess, but, I guess you're right. I, I, you sort of have to cool your jets. And when you, when you think about all those factors, you probably like, I'm thinking he could be relevant later on in the season. But I, there's, I know we're sort of getting a little bit long on time. We're, as I told you an hour, I think we're about, about at that now. 
Um, but before you go, I, there's two more things that um, I don't know much time you have, but there's two more things that I gotta ask you before you go. There's um, the two things are um, snow batting eight, and I want and then after that I want to talk about the Colorado Rockies um, fucking disaster <laughs> in their infield and in their outfield. So why don't we start with Sano, um and where he's gonna be batting in that order because he's a guy that I love this year and I think he can be great even batting eight. Um, so uh, just talk about like just I guess maybe just uh, discuss your thoughts on the on the Minnesota Twins lineup. It's a great lineup. Sure, and I, I do want to see. I, I I love being questioned on these things, and because a lot of times people will ask me about things, and then I'll hear it again, and I'll go, hmm, maybe, maybe I need to take a, another look at that, um, because I can give you my answer right away, and I, I can go, well, this is why he's there, but people keep. You know, people keep mentioning AJ Puck to me. People keep mentioning, you know, why is this guy in the lineup over this guy? And then I go, okay, I, I need to, you know, I can't do a lot of research on every single situation. So it's like I can do a little bit deeper, deeper dive on this one here. Okay, um, so it's very helpful. In, in this case, I mean, the, the Twins are just stacked. That lineup is stacked. You know, I have Luis Arez, who who uh, oh, what did he hit like three forty or three fifty last year? And yeah. he was up there for at least half the season. I had him. Seven it doesn't right seem now. like Mitch a fluke Garver. either. It, it, yeah, Mitch Garver hit thirty home runs. He wasn't even the regular catcher the most most of the season. I mean, they got they added Josh Donaldson. They still have Nelson Cruz. Polanco was really good. I think I think the one guy you know I have Kepler in the leadoff spot, which is where. They were they were they seemed comfortable using them there, but they have a lot of guys. You know they can they can have a rise up there, move Kepler down, um, and we're not even talking about Byron Buxton how good he can be when everything comes together. And it's just like that guy's just going to be their ninth hitter, and there's not really any question about who is he going to move up ahead of. I think Sano Sano just because of the power, I think he has an opportunity if he gets off to a good start, he could be in the middle of that lineup. You know, a couple months into the season, but. Or, you know, maybe early so on. So and, and I think he'll so anyone. Yeah, yeah, and I think he'll definitely be up higher against left-handed pitchers. But um, yeah, that's. I, I think I think you look at that and you go, uh, you look at the whole lineup and you you could question that. Well, why is he eight? But you look at that lineup and you go, okay, dang, that Miguel Sano yeah. is hitting eighth in this lineup, but it actually isn't. It's not a. It's not an error. I think he he can. He, he might just be there if everything goes as, as planned, unless you know somebody gets hurt, somebody struggles, and you know Max Kepler gets off to a slow start or Rosario gets off to a slow start, maybe move him down. And um, yeah, that that stuff it's pretty fluid. It moves, you know, the lineups change a lot. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's interesting to hear your thoughts on that because uh, me and a couple of guys that we, that I play with, we, that's we always talk about Sano because and where he's going to hit in that lineup because it's. It's um, such it's such a it, it's such a surprise to see someone with that much potential getting eighth and that much power. Like he uh, was like ranked in the top for top of all the stat cast categories. Just such a powerful guy to be hitting eighth. But you can understand it with that lineup. There's been a lot of good lineups yeah, in history. It, like it can you can look at it and simply just say like, well, you know, Garver is their catcher. He's going to be the starting catcher. Maybe they don't want to put. A lot of pressure on him right now. Let's let's just flip those. You can easily flip those two guys and say Sano is going to be sixth or, or fifth, and Garver Garver lower in the lineup. But well, Garver, there's a they had ton a of injury for risk. Of Garver they had a leadoff for a couple for a good portion of last year, I believe. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, Kepler missed time. 
Polanco missed time. Obviously, Nelson Cruz went down. Josh Donaldson has an injury history. Uh, I mean, even Sano and certainly Byron Buxton. I mean, this is a this is a lineup that's going to look different pretty much <laughs> throughout the season. I think. Yeah, you're probably right on that. Um, and you know what? My, that 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 actually um, gives me uh, reason for concern for Arias. I know he's like obviously his contact skills are great, but with that lineup. Is there a chance, like along with Bonnie Buxton, is he in the eight or nine spot in that lineup at one point just because it's so good? And for from a fantasy perspective, um, I was saying that he's pretty much he's going to get you a lot of batting average, and then his other good trait would be runs. So if he's not hitting at the top of that lineup, he's not going to be scoring as many runs. He's really not that useful. He turns into sort of like a D Gordon, Billy D Gordon, uh, Malik Smith type player where they're only getting you stolen bases. He's only getting you batting averages. I don't really want him if he's going to hit at the bottom of that lineup. You yeah, think he's a guy, uh, he can lead he, off. He can hit eight or nine. So you think, got you a, think there's, uh, a, there's, a, there's a chance that Arias hits in the bottom of that, that order or near to it? Yeah, I mean, Jason, because he's not a guy they're going to put. They're not. He's not a guy they're going to put in the middle of the lineup. I think if you look at all the guys that that have hit all over the place, you know. The, the the guys who haven't, or you know, Cruz and Donaldson are going to be where they are. You know, you know, Cruz is going to be third or fourth. Donaldson's going to be second, third or fourth, and everybody else is going to be around that. So, you you got a few guys that can hit lead off, and Arias is one of them. And if he's not, he's going to be at the bottom third of the order. That's just you know, yeah. you, you just you just. Yeah. They've got some yeah. players too. I mean, you know, they still got Marwin Gonzalez on that that roster. They've got uh, Trav- Travis Blankenhorn in AAA. <laughs> I mean, those are two guys that can also play any position on the field uh, just about. And, you know, so anytime somebody gets nicked up a little bit or, you know, goes through an extended slump, they've got options uh, to, to replace them. So. Absolutely. So let's, let's, let's talk about uh, the Rockies. Um, Jason, um, I don't think I need to really ask the question. I think you know the players I'm, I'm referring to. Um, um, one one guy that's well, two guys are Hilliard and Hampson. Those are the those are the guys with a lot of upside for what we're talking about from a fantasy perspective because of the stolen bases. Obviously, those are important. Um, I I think I saw you got Hilliard penciled in for a lot of playing time. I'm happy about that because he's one of the guys I have a lot. And here I am. I said I'm not going to. You don't need any. You don't need me to describe the question. And here I am rambling on. So um, I'll give you the floor on this. Yeah, I imagine you know it's a manager like Bud Black it can it can be frustrating for well not and if you're a Rockies fan it, it, it's possible but I think for fantasy people that like to play fantasy baseball people that like following prospects because Bud Black does not care about your fantasy team he doesn't care about how good of a prospect you are he's going to go with his guy he's going to go with the veteran guy and he's going to you know like he, he's going to stick with Ian Desmond because. Ian Desmond's done it before, and he, you know, that's the kind of manager he is, which, which is good in, in some ways, it's, it, you know. And so, at least for this year, I'm, I'm projecting him to use Desmond more off the bench. But I wouldn't be surprised if you know, opening nice. day comes and it's like Desmond's our starting left fielder. Sorry. Um, oh. oh but okay. Obviously, you got you got a guy like Hilliard who who had a had a small sample last year, a lot of power and and. You know, if you look at their lineup right now, the way I have it projected, it's very – it's all left-handers except for Story and Arenado. So, you know, it, it could be balanced out a little bit. And Raymel Tapia is 
has been pretty good as well. And so, you know, at least at this point, I'm kind of looking at Hilliard as the guy who's, I don't think he's going to be on their bench. I think if he comes in and has a good camp, I think he can win, win the job against right-handed pitching. Um, but Garrett Hampson, I think you cannot write him off because of that that upside. Um, again, it's, it's opportunity. He, he's battling for, you know, he can play a lot of positions. So obviously he, he they can look at him as a bench guy who, who plays all over the place. Um, but he's good enough where he can probably win the starting second base job. He's good enough where he can probably win in a lot of time in the outfield. And, um, and so I think uh, you're looking at somewhat of a, of a position battle there, I'd say, for, but maybe for two spots. Um, I, I think McMahon, Ryan McMahon is going to get, get, get the fair share of starts at second base. Um, but he can also move over to first base if Murphy, Daniel Murphy struggles or if he can't stay healthy. Um, but I also, you know, I also wouldn't write off Hampson as, as far as just beating him out and just being the starting second baseman. Um, and then things would have to go really bad in spring for somebody like Hilliard and Tapia for, for them to say, let's give Hampson most of the time in left field, um, which would be good for fantasy guys, fantasy owners, because he does have that speed. Um, and then, you know, the guy they have that, that people are going to kind of forget about is Brendan Rodgers, who mm-hmm. was their number one prospect. But shoulder surgery, um, so he's going to be I – I don't think there's any chance he's going to be ready for the start of the season. But um, And he had a little bit of time to prove himself last year and didn't wasn't going so well, and then he got another chance and he got hurt. So, um, But, yeah, that, that's why people forget about him. But he's the number one prospect for a reason. He was the number three pick in the draft for a reason. And at some point, you know, he, he's going to get a chance to, to prove he could be the starting – starting second baseman. Um, and so Hampson's going to have to deal with that as well later in the season. It's just a, there's a lot of options. And then the Rockies, you know, they, they pretty much have set out, <laughs> they've set out this, this offseason. Like, they're not doing anything at all. Um, but That's why they got to trade know, Arenado. Yeah, and if, if – I don't think they're going to do that – and, you know, somebody like Yasiel Puig would have been interesting on this team. He, oh, yeah. You know, it sounds like there's, there's <laughs> been rumors about him. Um, you know, Tampa Bay have an interest. The Giants have an interest. But nothing with the Rockies. He would be fun there. I mean, and like I said, it's a very left-handed heavy lineup. He balanced it out nicely. Um, but, uh, you know, if they were to add, a, add another free agent, that would cut into everybody else's opportunity as well. Who do you think would be the biggest beneficiary if Arenado is traded? Brendan Rodgers? Uh, probably, probably Hampson, um, if initially Hampson. And then I, because Rodgers is the kind of guy I think he just has to get healthy and then they're going to give him a chance. I, I think Hampson is the kind is a guy who isn't assured of a, of a chance right now. He, he could just, he could just get locked into that utility role and then, never really get enough of an opportunity to prove, prove that he can be a starter. So I think... Yeah, you could trading, see McMahon move over to third, and then, you know, when Murphy right. is eventually off the roster, then he moves back to first, and now you've opened up uh, with Hampson at second and, and Rogers at third. That's what you're thinking? Yeah, and I think, 
you know, they have a bunch of first base prospects that are on the way as well. I think Tyler Nevins should be up. They might take a look at him this year, but, you know, I think, I think 2021, he could be their starting first baseman. Josh Fuentes is, is there. Um, he had a really good, good year in triple a. Um, so they have, they have a lot of options, but yeah, yeah. I think, I think if they were to trade Arenado, yeah, move McMahon over to third, you know, Hampson gets a shot at second, Rod, Rogers in the mix at either of those spots eventually. There's a weird team in the draft. <laughs> they took uh, first baseman in, in the first round in 2015, 2018, and 2019. I just, I don't understand what they're doing there in Colorado, but sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, I see the Giants have interest in Yasiel Puig. I just got a, there's a report today. Um, they just, they, they, but they also said they were signing Hunter Pence. Did that actually go through? And uh, what I wanted to ask you um, about that was um, the Giants outfield. What sort of impact of, of did, did Hunter Pence? Yeah, he's taking a physical with, he's taking a physical with San Fran. So what does that do for guys like, well, I think Yaz is going to be a starter, but then you have Duggar in center who didn't really show anything that much. And you have, um, who else do you have in that outfield? Um, I know, um, just, Jalen Davis. Yeah. yeah Kramsky, Alex, Alex Dickerson, who can hit, he could straight out hit. Uh, he's, he'll be in there against right-handed pitching. Stremski's going to be in there. And then Doug R, I don't think he's, he's guaranteed a spot, but I think he has the edge to be the starting center fielder. Um, if they were, you know, I think Pence wouldn't cut into, the starting outfielder's time too much. I don't think he's going to play every day, um, but I think he's definitely going to be there in there against lefty. So somebody like Jalen Davis or Austin Slater are going to lose lose at bats there. Um, I think I think Yastrzemski can play some center field. <clears throat> so if Duggar isn't isn't cutting it, he he can move over to center, and then you know Pence Pence can have more at bats at the corner. Uh, Mauricio Dubon is a guy who they they're not I don't think they're hundred percent sold on in, in the infield. I think he, he could they brought in Wilmer Flores, Donovan Solano, they brought in Yolmer Sanchez. So they don't really need him to be their second baseman, but I think he's gonna get a chance to be their second baseman, a chance to, you know, whenever Brandon Crawford is, you know, move you know, I I think I don't think they're gonna trade Crawford anytime soon. Um, not he sure makes all his, the money, doesn't he? Yeah, and I'm not he sure is. his contract. I'm not his contract. Uh, he might be there for a couple more years, but I think so. That anyways, the point is that Dubon might be better suited for for the outfield, and I don't think they've given him much of a chance there yet. But I think that that's a possibility as well. I think I think they want to see what he can do out there uh, in center the more field. I think about this is a mess because I was you know, recently I've been on Jalen Davis because his numbers in the minors were ridiculous. I think he was, he had like a 35, 10 season in the minors. If you combine all the stops, um, um, I think all, all the stops he had last year, but now if you, have, I don't, I think Doug is going to be out of luck uh, one way or another, but now if you add Pence to the mix, there's talks about Puig. Um, it's, it's really just like for a team that you don't really think have a lot of outfielders, it's really, yeah. I think you're going to be hurting for playing time regardless, even if, even if they sign yeah, or they, they don't, I think it's just going to be just such a, such a shared situation. Yeah. If they sign Puig, I'm assuming that they think Yastrzemski can handle a center field job and then Duggar's out of luck. I mean, he's probably be, be down in triple a, uh, maybe, maybe yeah, a, I, a fourth outfielder. 
from a fantasy perspective, I don't, I, I don't think Duggar is relevant even in round 50, in my opinion, in these, in these drafts. Um, but um, I know I'm, I'm still trying to be cognizant of time. Now, Craig, what would you, before, before we let Jason go, and I know, let us tell Jason, let, let us know if you need to go at any point in time and just interrupt you and say, you got to go. But um, Craig, what would you ask Jason about um, the bets trade and for any of the teams? Like, what would you want to know with respect to, um, with roster resource with that? Yeah, I mean, I, one of the things I thought was fascinating was that uh, when I first, this was, of course, first place I went to see, uh, you know, where you thought some of these players were going to be uh, fitting into the lineups and seeing Verdugo in the leadoff. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of shade thrown on uh, this trade, uh, especially for the Boston side. I think this trade says more about Chris Sale and their expectation of what he's going to give them this year than it does about any other player. Um, but I love Verdugo in that uh, leadoff spot. I think he's a Boston-type player uh, akin to the, you know, the kind of the, the throwback early 2000s-type Boston player. He's, he's gritty. And, um, you know, what, what was your rationale? in you know, because obviously you've got other candidates there with Benatendi and, um, you know, I mean, they could do all kinds of things, Bogarts and Devers. Uh, so, so really the Verdugo part was, was really interesting to me. Yeah. So, sometimes it, you know, it works out where, you know, cause I, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm taking Mookie out of that lineup and I'm just replacing with Verdugo in the same spot. And then he, he plays the same position. So I go, okay, look, let me look at this lineup really quick. Is there anybody else that makes sense? You know, just you know, not. Benintendi maybe, but Benintendi and Verdugo are very, I think they're very similar guys. Either one of them would work there. Uh, do I really want to mess with that two, three, four in the lineup? Eh, let, those guys are so good. Just let them stay there. Those, you know, you, you don't have to move, you know, those guys uh, into the leadoff spot. I'm sure, I'm sure Bogart could handle it. Um, I actually think Peraza day, could be a decent fit up there. I mean, he's, he's, he's always he's, been a high batting average guy. He's fast. He's, you know, yeah, Peraz is in the Peraz is in the lineup, and I still have Chavis in there, um, and I have Chavis spending splitting a lot of his time between first and second, um, where where Moreland Moreland sits against lefties, and Chavis goes to first, and Peraz is in there, and Peraz is a guy who can force force his way into the lineup more often, obviously. Then you know I have him penciled in as a platoon um, utility guy, but. Um, when he's in there, he, he could hit lead off as well. But I think guys like Verdugo and Benatendi are just just really really good at getting on base, and you don't have a, a ton of power. I, I think I think they fit well either one of them, and they're both good. You know, they both are good enough hitters where they they can hit behind JD if if uh, and give him some protection as well. And it wouldn't be a, a huge drop off. I I think there's versatility there. But I think those two guys are, are kind of the key. Um, it, it's it's between Verdugo and Benintendi. Cool. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up at that, um, unless we had something else that we that we must talk about. Um, Jason, is there anything else that you wanted to that you that you that you think that you have to share this with uh, with our with all of our many many listeners? Uh, no, I mean this is this is, this has been great. I, I think explaining my my process and, and like I said, it when you point out things to me. It, I don't, I don't ever take it as, you know, it, I'm not, these aren't necessarily opinions or, or, or predictions. It's more, I'm trying to get the information. I'm trying to do the research and I'm trying to, to, 
put a realistic picture together and then the reader can look at it and, and a lot of times form their own opinion. And I think that's, you know, so, so being able to explain how that works is, is very helpful. And, and so um, feel free to, to send me questions anytime at MLB Depth Charts on Twitter. And, and I, I love talking about this stuff here. Well, we love having you. It was very informative. And, you know, I, had qu- I literally had questions written down for every team. I got to maybe about 10% of my questions. But I know we only had about an hour. But it was, I love talking. And, like, you, you, are, you were a must-get for this podcast. And I'm so glad we got you early on in the podcast inception to talk to you because I think this podcast would be extremely helpful to anyone that uh, plays in these fantasy leagues. Um, also, a uh, uh, welcome um, to Craig for his first uh, first time on this podcast, first of many, hopefully. You can find him at uh, C-M-A-G-E-E-523. And um, Jason, like you said, at MLB Depth Charts. Um, us at uh, Draft Champagne on Twitter. And until next time, thank you and talk to you later. <laughs>